Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your host, Lonnie Jenkins. Hello, friends. We're back again. Last session, if you may recall, we were talking out of the book of Revelation and we were in chapter 1. And we're trying to show you the Alpha Omega principle of the scripture. Jesus says over and over, I am the last, I am the first, I am the beginning, I am the end, I am Alpha and Omega. And it all goes back to the simplicity of seed. We put seed in the ground, and until the seed reproduces itself in the head, the cycle is not complete. And so therefore we find the beginning of a cycle when, we, when we're beginning the cycle, the seed planting is taking place in the, among the Gentile churches. It started with Jesus. He was this original seed. We saw that seed go into the ground and die. The resurrected life came back in the book of Acts. That church was buried, that seed church, the true seed church was buried during the Dark Ages. And then coming out on this side of the Dark Ages, we find then the, the movement we call the Lutheran movement. And then God began to speak through, through that messenger in that age, and we have a period which the theologians call the Restoration or the Reformation. And so now we, we are coming on this way, but because it's following the seed cycle, and then if we're at harvest time, like we're telling you that we are, then therefore there has to be a, a, another manifestation of the same kind of life that was manifested in Jesus of Nazareth. We have to see another manifestation of that, and that's promised in Luke 17:30. There will be a revealing of the Son of Man. Most people want to say that's the coming of the Son of Man, but it doesn't say that. It says there's a revealing of the Son of Man. And so before we show you a clip of this kind of ministry, I'd like to ask uh, my friend and co-minister here, Brother Stephen Strew, if he's got a, something he'd like to say to you. <clears throat> well, Brother Lonnie, the thing is in John chapter 4, Jesus uh, meets the woman at the well. Correct. And uh, he uh, sends the disciples away. Correct. And uh, he meets with her. And while he's talking to her, he's not immediately condemning her. He's, he's, uh, he's talking about his ministry and that his ministry would be to provide water that they'd never thirst again. She, interestingly, is going back into her traditions. And this is the past. This is the, the well that, that, that uh, was left for us through our heritage and Abraham. And, and she, she wants to go into the past. Jesus wants to bring her up to date and say that was all looking forward to this water that if I give you water, you would never thirst again. She says, oh, give me of that water, showing the desire, the sincerity of her heart. As soon as she starts to pull, Jesus then refers to uh, um, her past. And he says, go and get your husband. She says, I haven't. He says, well, you've had five. And you've spoken the truth. You've had five. And even the one you're with now is not your husband. So he discerns right where her problem is. He recognizes something in her life that uh, he can see through vision or through some process. And then the woman recognizes his position, his ministry through that gift. That's the alpha. That's the way it started. What we're going to see in the clip is now the omega, which is where uh, in this ministry, in this last day, the seventh angel messenger, the exact same gift, talking to a woman. 
and uh, she's got problems on her heart. He, as he's talking to her, God shows him exactly what those problems are. But she said, we know that when Messiah comes, Amen. he'll do these things. And she, right. he, Jesus said, I am he. Now let's, let's pull in our thoughts for just a moment. We know that when Nathanael came before Jesus, he said, behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. Right. And Nathanael says, when did you know me? He said, I saw you when you were under the tree praying before, before. you came here. Before you came here. Right. I think it was Philip went after yes. him and brought him back. And so he said, oh, thou art the king of Israel. So right. now notice both of those Jews recognized that sign is significant. One said, when Messiah comes, the other one said, you're the king, king of the Jews. That's Messiah, right. son of David. Yes. So consequently, both of those recognized. And since we're on this subject, I remember to the other, another place, and you'll probably think of more. Oh yeah, Jesus saying to the Sadducees and Pharisees, uh, why think ye evil in your hearts? Right. Why are you thinking this? And so he picked up on what they were thinking and exactly told them what they were thinking. And then in the light of the scripture I referred to, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the days of the revealing of the Son of Man. Amen. So all we have to do is go back in our thinking to the days of Lot, and there we find now that at the time of Lot, we also are in, living in Sodom. And if that isn't the condition of the world today, Amen. right. So, so the world in a Sodom condition, Lot living down in Sodom, but the part of the picture that we don't see in that scripture is, is that living a separated life outside of Sodom is Abraham out in the plains of memory. And while Lot's in there, Abraham has a visit by, uh, I'll just give the interpretation, two angels in God, in flesh. And, and uh, Abraham recognizes who they are. And then this man, that he looks like a man, this man in flesh, uh, he says, I am going to visit you according to the time of life, just as I promised you. Well, who made the promise? God. God, absolutely. So God in flesh, and not only that, he calls them Abraham and Sarah, and just, a, and, yeah, and just a few days, just a few verses before was when their name was changed from Abram and Sarai to Abraham and Sarah, and he knew their current name and knew the promise. And then the scripture says that uh, Sarah, in the tent behind them, laughed within herself, saying, am I being old, gonna have pleasure with my Lord again? And, uh, and God says, why did Sarah laugh? Mm. And she says, I didn't, I didn't. He says, oh yes, <laughs> in your heart. you did, but is anything too hard for God? So consequently, he picked up on her thoughts in her heart. So here we, here we have all these scriptures pointing to the fact that this kind of sign is depicting the presence of the, of the in the New Testament, we'd say the resurrected Jesus Christ. And then on top of that, we have Hebrews 4.12, which says the word of God discerner. is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So friends, we're going to watch now this clip. This is my favorite one. If, you've, if you have uh, been with us before, you've seen this clip. And so th this one is the one that's my favorite. So I think this is probably the third time we've shown it to you. But let's join ourselves together here and, and watch this clip and just see what God is trying to show us through this man's ministry. Now we are these strangers. I see that you are strictly a stranger to me. You're from away from here. You come from another city. You've got a lot of trouble on your heart. You got hard trouble to begin with. Is that right? 
there's a whole lot of blackness. I see a black sheep keep following you like that. Oh, it's a lie. Somebody stole a lie on you. And that was a man who was professing divine healing. Yes, sir. He said you was a witch. Is that true? And you've got a whole stir in your church or something other about it, isn't that right? Your pastor's sick right now. He's got polio. Is that right? Sister, don't pay no attention to what them people tell you. They're lying. And the only thing's wrong with your heart is that nervous condition got your heart worked up. Go on home in peace, and God bless you. You're all right. God bless you. You're not all right. Now, what you have just viewed, friends, is the revealing of the Son of Man. A man can't do those things. William, if we would have gone on and watched this, he would have said, I, I can't do these things. You know it has to be some supernatural power that does this kind of thing. A man cannot reach back into a person's life and tell them what we just saw on that video clip. It's the revealing of the Son of Man. What does that mean to us? It means that we're back in the last age now. We've come from Alpha, the planting of the seed, all the way through the cycle of the churches and the church ages who were merely carriers of the life. Yes, the stalk in the wheat is a carrier of the life, but it's not the life. And then when we come up to harvest time, then we have a reproduction in the head of the wheat or the corn, something that looks just like the seed that went into the ground. So we have to have a ministry that depicts the very same thing. And so now here we have seen it exactly where we are. And if uh, I think, uh, again, Brother Stephen and I were talking about how this is depicted over in uh, Leviticus, I think it's chapter 26, yeah, 23, 23, 23 in the, the feasts. And so consequently, let, let him just talk to you a little bit about that, and then we'll get back to the book of Revelation. In Leviticus chapter 23, Jesus, excuse me, um, Moses is, is giving the law, and, and Paul told us that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. These things were given for shadows. So there's something in that, even though if you read Leviticus, you may think that it, it's quite laborious and all these different laws, but in this particular chapter, it's dealing with the uh, feasts, and the first feast is Passover, and then it's unleavened bread and and and. and uh, and uh, first fruits that uh, that very interestingly types uh, or preach or shadows the uh, the uh, the Passover time when Jesus was um, was killed. So there's 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 definite link between those Old Testament feasts and uh, and the gospel story, which includes of course the the death, burial, and resurrection. That was the first fruits was the resurrection. Now forty. Uh, uh, nine days after that, and then the day after the 49th day is the way that uh, Leviticus uh, says it, which would be the 50th day, there was to be another feast, and that was Pentecost. And at the Feast of Pentecost, uh, the, um, the bread that was baked, this time the two wave loaves, this time they were baked with leaven. At the Feast of Passover, because it was part of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, there, there was no leaven to be found anywhere in Israel at that time. No leaven at the time of the Passover that represents Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God dwelling in flesh in the form of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the bread that came down from heaven in John chapter 6. I am the bread that came down from heaven, but it was without sin. Paul says later in Corinthians that, it, that leaven represents malice and wickedness. In fact, the Hebrew word for, le uh, for leaven bread is chemetz, and it means pungent or, and, and something that's poisonous and, and, and horrible. So leaven is never anything good in the Bible. It's always bad. And uh, yet in the, in the Passover, there's no leaven, which makes sense because that represents Jesus. He was perfect without sin. But in the 
Pentecost feast, he said, bake a bread with leaven. Mm -hmm. Now, the bread is the body of Christ. And we know that from uh, the communion uh, uh, process that uh, that we that we, Paul mentions in first in First Corinthians chapter eleven, he talks about the communion. He talks about the bread is the body of the Lord. So, what is the body? At Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, it was the church. The, the tongues of fire came down and, and sat on each one of them. And God, the Spirit of God, was now willing and ready to come into His body and start to fulfill this last stage of His process, which was to live out His life through a many-membered body, not just in one man, not just in a prophet, not just in His one son, but now in the sons and daughters of God. And among the sons and daughters of God is problems. <laughs> so among the problems represents leaven in the loaf. Do you think that the two loaves might have meant the Jewish church and Gentile the church? The Jewish church and the Gentile church yeah. because we know that on that day uh, they were primarily Jewish believers because yeah. Peter stood up and he said, these men aren't drunk as you suppose. He said, you men of Judea, right. these men aren't drunk as you suppose. He was talking to Jews who were there for the Passover feast. But of course from there it would spread to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world, right. to the Gentile churches. But what that gives us a picture of is that God had made a process available whereby His Spirit could now come and dwell in the believer. Paul tells us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And that process has continued down through seven church ages, but is now coming to fruition. So what would we expect in this day? Paul says we don't know how we're going to be, but we know we're going to be like Him. Jesus is like His Word. Jesus was a perfect picture of the Word that had gone before Him. So what is the church going to have to be like to be, to be the... Uh, to be the fruit that came from that seed. The seed that was planted was the Word of God. The fruit that's going to have to be harvested is going to be the Word of God again. The same life, the same Word that was there has to be present in the church in this day, in its fullness, not just partially as it was uh, down through the centuries. As great as that first church was, Jesus never came. Mm -hmm. there, wasn't right. a, there wasn't a catching away of the church. It, it, Peter said in Acts chapter 3 that Jesus, the heavens whom the heavens received, until the restitution of all things. There had to be a restoration of something that had been lost. Well, this was just the beginning. Nothing had been lost yet. But we now know by looking at the seven churches of Revelation chapters 2 and 3 that there would be a falling away. And there would be a dark ages when the, the gospel light would almost be extinguished and then come back through Luther, Wesley, and then finally in this day, the light is shining in all its mm -hmm. brightness mm -hmm. on the Word, revealing God, revealing Himself to us in a way that would perfect or mature the Word, that seed that He had planted back there in the book of Acts church. But in an imperfect, natural body, not mm -hmm. in a perfect uh, son of God as it was back in the, in, in the gospel stories. I remember seeing bumper stickers that says, Christians are not perfect, just forgiven. Forgiven. Just Amen. forgiven. And so that's, <laughs> right. that's the picture. We're not, not perfect, but made perfect through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now we're in the book of Revelation, and we talked last time, we closed on two symbols that were used in chapter one, and that was the, the seven golden candlesticks and seven stars in the right hand of Jesus. So we've got then verse 20 in chapter 1 said that the seven golden candlesticks were the seven churches of Asia. And then, and then it said the seven stars in his right hand were the seven messengers to the seven church ages. So we've got stars have a double meaning. One is light bearers. And two, 
The seed of Abraham are considered as the stars of heaven. So shall thy seed be, said to Abraham. So we got seven seed of Abraham. This is Jew or Gentile, those who are in Christ, Galatians 3. And so we got seven seed of Abraham held in a position of power and authority that's in the held, held in the right hand of God. Now keep in mind, friends, many of you may be thinking, oh, all I need is Jesus. But Jesus told you, he said, Who, whoever receives whom I send Amen. receives me. So if God has had seven messengers in his right hand and he has sent them to each of the seven ages, then that's Jesus sending his representative. And when we receive the representative, we receive Jesus. If we reject the representative, we reject Jesus. The same principle is in 1 John 1.7. We must walk in the light as he is in the light. Then we have fellowship with God and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So the same principle is always find out what God is doing in your day and in, embrace that and live that and receive that. Now the seven, the seven, the seven churches of Asia and in chapter 2 and chapter 3, each one opens up with the, with the uh, admonition unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira. So God writes this letter, we'll say, sends it to the messenger of the age, and then he has the word of God for the age. And we could go into all of these. And actually, if you were, if you were to get onto our website and get a hold of the book called The Exposition of the Seven Church Ages, there it'll show you in great detail what went on through the church ages and you'll see that we can take the seven church ages and exactly overlay them over history, proving to you that these ages were chronological. Yes, they were literal churches at that time, that's true, but their condition was seed or prophetic of ages to come and they exactly parallel. And then, now stay with me on this next, next few thoughts so you catch the picture of how God, how God works. We told you that the seven messengers were sent by God and they were, they were called angel. Angel is messenger. So they were seven men sent by God. The first one was the Apostle Paul. He was the pastor at the church of Ephesus for three years. And then, then we've got others coming up, which you probably might not recognize them all. But it's Paul, Irenaeus, Martin, St. Martin, Columba, Luther, uh, Martin Luther, and then John Wesley, and then in this age, William Branham. But now watch how God depicts this. We've got in the, going in, over into chapter 4. Now when we get over there, we begin to pick up some of the symbolism that God uses to tell us something about these, these messengers. So in, in chapter 4, verse 4, And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats were four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. Of course, this would be the twelve apostles and the twelve patriarchs of Israel. Verse 5, And out of the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. And here's the part I wanted to get to. And there were seven lamps of fire burning. This is just like the wicks on the seven candlesticks. Same principle. Seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now, we don't have seven gods, Deuteronomy 4 and all through the Bible. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. So therefore, but here he says there are seven spirits of God. Now, if we go one more place over in chapter 5, when the Lamb is depicted, verse 6, Revelation chapter 5, verse 6, 
And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns. That's, that would, of course, represent the seven churches through the ages because of the fact that a horn is an animal's defense, and, and Christ, the Word's defense on earth, is the true church. And seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Now, eyes represent intelligence. When, when Adam and Eve's eyes were opened, they knew that they were naked. And so all through the scripture, eyes represent intelligence. So, so to each age, there was something that was sent with intelligence to the church, the horn, and on the horn was an eye. So to each church age was a messenger. And then it says, these are the seven spirits of God. It's very simple, friends, if you just stay with me just a minute. God is light. First John tells us, if we take light and pass it through a three-sided prism, it breaks it into a seven-color rainbow. And you can see that on your screen. So God, who is a single beam of light, passed himself through the three offices of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, like the three sides of a prism. Now, this is, this is not literal. Now, this is only to show you that natural laws and spiritual laws go hand in hand. So the single light passed through a three-sided prism breaks down into a seven-color rainbow. So all seven of those colors were in that single light. So th now, therefore, that's what that represents is this God who is light has now dispersed his spirit over seven church-age messengers. And so each messenger to each age had their measure of Christ, just like a rainbow, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. So each one had their measure of Christ, none of which were the fullness of Christ, but now we're promised then that at the last days, now there's two things we want you to see. One is the condition of our church age that we're living in now, and that's Laodicea. And that's it, starting in verse 14. Unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, verse 15, I know thy works, and thou art neither cold nor hot. I were, would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. The mouth is where the word comes from. So they're going to be separated from the word. And because you say, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Friends, I don't know how it is in your nation, wherever you're listening here, but I know what it is with the churches of America. They have totally lost their standards, almost all of them, not all. There are some holding to the word, but the majority have totally lost. Where they formerly had a standard of holiness, they have it no more. Where they formerly worshipped only under the influence of good Holy Ghost music, now they bring in Hollywood and present it as the gospel. And it's just gone that way. And the people look at the churches in America and say, if that's Christianity, I don't want it. The majority of what you see is not Christianity. It's a perversion of Christianity. It's Laodicea. But in the midst of that, there is something true. Now, hear, hear this thought. I could not give you a counterfeit $1 bill unless there was a true $1 bill somewhere. 
So a counterfeit cannot be unless there's a real. So if we watch the conditions of the churches, they're counterfeiting Christianity, but there is a real one somewhere. And so this Laodicean age, now look where it, look where it continues to. Verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. So God had to send a prophetic ministry with the word of rebuke to this age. And it came exactly through the, through the prophetic ministry of the fulfillment of Malachi 4. And, and uh, that's William Branham's ministry, who was this seventh angel to the, to the last age. He bought the rebuke. They didn't want to hear it. And then, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. This is Christ, friends, put on the outside of the church. They've rejected what God sent. He sent a prophetic message of correction to the church. They refused to receive it. So when they refused the one Christ sent, one of those in the right hand of Jesus, they have refused Jesus. So friends, consider it seriously what you're looking at and what you're facing. You saw the demonstration earlier in this, the revealing of the Son of Man. So this is, this is a final age with a final message and the final voice to the final age. Did you realize that in the book of Thessalonians, it tells us that the rapture will come in three stages. It'll come as a shout and a voice and a trump of God. Three steps. Christ does all three while he's descending. We are in that cycle already. This message we're trying to share with you is the shout of the shout and the voice and the trump. It is the shout. And is this same shout is the midnight cry of, of Matthew chapter 25. God has sent a voice to open our eyes, to open our ears, to hear and see what God has done in this age to bring us back to the gospel Paul preached, to get a people ready for a body change. The point that you brought up about a counterfeit, that's, uh, that's something I'd like the people to remember as well, is that there's been many counterfeit ministries, that, uh, but there has to be a true one, and this ministry was the true one. Amen. God bless you, friends. Thank you for being with us. This will close out this session. We'll start a new subject with you next time. Friends, when we speak of what Jesus Christ has been doing through the ages, we find a tremendous expose of that in Revelations chapter 1, 2, and 3, going into the seven church ages. There is no book on the field anywhere that will give you the understanding that these books will. I have two because this is in English, this is a French, but it's also available in Spanish. I urge you, go to our website and order these books. They will open up the book. We truly believe that the books just mentioned by Brother Lonnie will bless and inspire you. There are two ways to order these books or the DVD of today's program titled Revelation, A Book of Symbols. You can visit our website at globalanswers.us and click on the Resource Center link where you'll find these and many other books and DVDs or you can write us at Global Answers, 1695 Stewart Road, Lima, Ohio. The zip code is 45801 here in the USA. Please be sure to email questions or comments to info 
at globalanswers.us. Thank you for joining us, and may our Lord Jesus Christ continue to reveal himself to you.